2: Yay. Okay. So I want to jump right into this because I'm curious. So, okay. So I know that we've now moved into a new era of SCOTUSness. Because the Supreme Court is no longer doing what they used to do, which is doing all of their stuff in person, because of socially social distancing. I'm assuming they're all still. Are they even all still in Washington, or are some of them in an undisclosed location, or do we even know where they are?
1: Uh, well, uh, we don't know where they physically are currently. Um, most of them have residences in Northern Virginia and Maryland, and most Supreme Court, all Supreme Court justices uh, are basically now equipped to participate in the Supreme Court's um, uh, IT network, very secure IT network, okay, from home, okay?
2: Oh, Oh, anything is hackable though, isn't it?
1: I imagine so, but interestingly enough, the Supreme Court doesn't really seem to be much of a target for hackers.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, really, what would you hack? Because in a sense, you'd hack so you could listen, but you wouldn't, we can all listen now anyway, right? Because now we can listen to the, is it live? Is it being done live where you can listen, or are you listening to recordings?
1: Uh, no, it's actually done live. So uh, listeners, what Nia's re- re- referencing is, Um, uh, a change to how the U.S. Supreme Court is uh, doing oral arguments. Um, So when the pandemic first hit, the United States Supreme Court suspended uh, oral arguments that were supposed to occur uh, the last two weeks of March and throughout the month of April. But what they did announce was for the first time in the court's history, um, uh, oral arguments uh, would be uh, would occur, um, basically via teleconferencing technology. But what the Supreme Court allowed was for them to, uh, for the oral arguments to be broadcast via C span in the real time.
2: It, is that because people used to be able to go to the court and hear the arguments?
1: Yes. Okay. So no, it's right. not
2: that it's a change in access so much as it is is a change in how you access
1: well i mean technically lots correct, more. but in terms of the scale and in volume of people okay now listen in the real time because um if you went to oral arguments at the supreme court um they have a limited number of seats roughly about 300 seats uh uh In the actual courtroom.
2: Right, which is why people had to line up for really interesting cases.
1: That's right. I mean, and basically once you um, removed the seats that are set aside for the press, uh, friends and family of the justices, the seats that were set aside for the clerks, you basically had somewhere around 130 to 150 seats available to the public, and it was first come, first serve. So, Nia, you are correct. For your more controversial cases, you sometimes had people lined up for days, okay, on the sidewalk leading up to the Supreme Court building to get in to hear the oral arguments.
2: So, many of our listeners are not of an age to remember this. But you and I are of an age to remember when your favorite band would come to town and you had to do that. You had to line up. So you would line up two days before they went. And this was only, you could only buy tickets at the box office. Yep. Right. And you would go get in line to be the fourth person to buy your Metallica tickets or whatever, Uh, maybe even before Metallica. But, and then when you got to the venue, sometimes they were, Um, I can't remember.
1: General admission seating.
2: General admission. That's right. And so then it stopped, they stopped doing that when a Who concert. Yes. Somebody, several people were crushed because they were pushed against the glass doors because people thought that they, the doors were open. And so they were pushing from the back and the crowd was so thick that it actually caused, I think a couple of deaths, but uh, definitely injuries. Yes. So venues stopped going to that. So is it a similar, is there general admission or do you have to have a ticket for the Supreme Court or?
1: No, it's first come first serve. Okay, so. but they
2: let people in one at a time through the door, right? Cause you have, yeah. to, don't you have to go through security and yes. metal detector and all that yes. stuff? Yes, yes, you do. Okay, so there, would, there wouldn't be any court sort of bum rush, but it but it's an interesting idea to the whole, let's go sleep out in front of the Supreme Court so we can hear this this argument.
1: Yeah, and and for years. Uh, people in the media, members of Congress, interest groups that follow the court have made proposals. They've made requests of the Supreme Court uh, to actually televise the oral arguments. And it's pretty well known that the justices of the U.S. Supreme Court, um, they don't change their procedures Rapidly, okay, or often. They're
2: still wearing those black robes with the white things around and the women are expected to wear collars and so like I'm surprised they don't wear poofy wigs with powder in them.
1: Okay. That existed for a very short period of time in the court's history, but you are correct, Nia, okay? And You know, as I tell my students, as recently as uh, Justice David Souter, um, what a lot of Americans don't understand is that the judicial branch has to make a request of the United States Congress for an annual budget um, appropriations, just like executive branch agencies do. So every spring, uh, two justices appear in front of a joint budget committee hearing of the house and the senate to defend the judicial branch's budget request and usually members of congress you who sit on the committee use this as an opportunity to ask why the supreme court does not televise its oral arguments <laughs> okay and rather infamously when David Souter was still on the court and he drew the illustrious short straw to appear in front of the uh, joint committee of the United States Congress.
2: That game of rock, paper, scissors is hell on earth.
1: Okay. When he was asked this, David Souter's response, he was asked, when do you foresee the Supreme court allowing cameras uh, for oral arguments? And Justice Souter said, over my dead body.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, okay. So in in terms of the court's willingness to change slash move slash do whatever women um, get the vote in 1920. In the 1980s, we get a woman on the court, right? Yes. That's Sandra Day.
1: Yeah. Sandra Day
2: O'Connor. And she, yeah. She came in under Reagan.
1: Yeah, but right. Ronald Reagan appointed her to replace Potter Stewart on the court.
2: And I don't know what year that was, but it was early 80s, I think. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, it was. Um, Potter Stewart resigned in 1981. Um, she was uh, she uh, began to serve in the 80, uh, 1981-82 term of the Supreme Court.
2: So it took 60 years to get a female justice on the Supreme court from the time that women could vote. Like, this is not a fast moving
1: target here. This is is
2: very much a traditional.
1: Yes. Um,
2: you're, when you said um, that there was a new two minute rule uh, that they had to let, they now have to let the poor slob who's presenting a case actually have two minutes to speak. Um, <clears throat> I, I mentioned that to to a, a friend of mine who's an attorney, and who has been to the Supreme Court, and he has never he's not he doesn't he's not worked in front of the Supreme Court. He's just been as an a, as a visitor, and he said that's game changing. Like that's an entire yes whole different way that you do the work because you're expecting to be interrupted, and if you're not, then you have to tailor those first two minutes very carefully. Yes. To to the justices and to what you think they're going to ask you and you yes. know, sort of get all that done. And he said, it's just a whole different world now. And he's, he was not aware of the change, but he said, Oh, Holy cow. That's going to mean that people who have practiced at the, at the SCOTUS bar for years are going to have to rethink how they do it. He said, I I, I bet we'll see a bunch of retirements if they keep that, if they keep that in place, because, that really changes how you how you do law in front of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, your entire presentation previously was predicated on um, pretty, pretty much being engaged in a rapid fire debate. But now if you got two minutes, now before you can be interrupted by any of the justices, you gotta think about what you wanna cram into those two minutes um, to kind of sort of set the frame for the questions the justices may ask. And that's what, you're, that's what we've seen, for instance, with the four cases that were argued this week, okay, uh, with teleconferencing. Okay, the way they set it up was this. Uh, each of the attorneys would have two minutes uninterrupted for opening remarks. Then the justices would go in reverse seniority to ask questions. Each justice was supposed to be limited to two to three minutes, okay, so that each justice would be able to ask questions. So it would start with Chief Justice John Roberts, then go to Clarence Thomas.
2: Wait, you said reverse seniority?
1: Or I'm sorry, uh, seniority, seniority. Okay. okay, seniority, right? I
2: was like, whoa, Brett Kavanaugh gets the first question. That is going to upset some
1: folks. Oh my yeah. goodness. Okay, and so what? So the usual give and take that you would see with oral arguments did not occur as much because it's kind of sort of like all of you listeners who've had to uh, participate in zoom meetings. Okay. The, the conversation is a little bit uh, stilted. Okay. Right. Cause you're kind of sort of waiting to hear what somebody has to say before you jump in. Okay. Et cetera. The chief justice is more, even more of a traffic cop, in regards to the conversation. The oral arguments actually went over the one hour allotted time, okay? Um, in one case, it went actually 17 minutes over, okay? Clarence Thomas actually asked questions.
2: Oh, I have a theory about that. I have a, or a question about that for you. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, go ahead. So I know that at one point you mentioned to me that that he was that he had a dialect that he had been um, uh, he'd been he'd received some abuse over and that that might be one of the reasons why he didn't speak as much in public. But I was thinking he he also seems he doesn't want to fight for the space like he doesn't want to fight. He really liked the idea that he had the floor and he could ask a question and his question wouldn't be interrupted and wouldn't be derailed and wouldn't be right. Like he could ask a civilized question and get a civilized response. That seems to be something that really appeals to him. Is that, am I reading that right? That that's.
1: No, some commentators uh, pointed to that, um, that Clarence Thomas, uh, enjoys, if you will, um, a more, um, I'm not going to say formal, but I mean, it's, it's a more civilized way of, of, of conversing. Right. Um, he's asking a question and he wants, okay, these, you know, two lawyers or in some cases uh, more lawyers to be able to go ahead and respond uh, and give him information. And um, when people are, you know, talking over one another and cutting one another off, that's perhaps not the way he prefers to go ahead and have these kinds of legal conversations. Um, so, I mean, it was nice to hear, I mean, and and he asked some really good questions, um, questions that, by the way, his colleagues actually followed up on when it was their turn. Okay. Um, but there were a couple of humorous situations, the first day, apparently, uh, Justice Sotomayor had put uh, uh, the had uh, hit the mute, mute button. So when it, it was her turn, Justice Roberts had to uh, call her name multiple times uh, before she unmuted herself. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and apparently, during one of the uh, oral arguments for one of the cases on Wednesday, May six.
2: Someone went potty.
1: What, somebody went potty. Whether it was a justice <laughs> or one of the attorneys arguing in a case, they uh, stepped away to use the uh, facilities, but they did not mute <laughs> the audio okay. so you could actually hear a toilet being flushed. So the Supreme court
2: has problems with mute the same way my meetings have problems with mute. The person who's trying to talk is on mute and we're all going, we can't hear you. We can't hear you turn your mute off. And then the next thing, you know, is in the background, you hear somebody's kid going, I don't want peanut butter and jelly. And you're like, Oh, mute, mute. Nobody wants to hear how sad your kid is with your, with your other, you know, your significant other. Cause that's just, but it's funny to me that they have the exact same problem. Like, Oh, welcome to the world of zoom where. <laughs> where you know why they don't want to be televised because they're wearing shorts and not their anything under their robes. <laughs> it's like those anchors, TV anchors who yes, you know, all of a sudden they're like, Oh, sorry. Uh, Cause they're wearing, you know, their shorts or their underwear or whatever. And, and then their shirt and their tie and their blazer, like, dude, you know, we can see your legs. Right. <laughs> but, so I feel certain that part of that is that they don't want to be, they are not television stars. Like, they're not...
1: No, they will you-
2: I'm not trying to be unpleasant. But the Supreme Court are not beautiful people. They're, they're perfectly reasonable, attractive people for people. You know, they're just like regular humans. But, I mean, if we were going to televise the Supreme Court and we were looking to make it some kind of, like, you know... like yeah, I mean... I could see Donald Trump... I'm not trying to insult Donald Trump, but I could see Donald Trump, no, I guess I am trying to insult him. Um, I could see him picking the next Supreme Court justice based on attractiveness if they were looking to get ratings. You know what I mean? Like I could see him making that business decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tell my students this all the time, you know, cause they've asked, have you, have you ever attended oral arguments? And I'm like, yeah, I, I went to two. Um, but they weren't terribly exciting cases, okay? Um, the, the justices, as you, as you pointed out, they look like most of us who are middle to older age, okay? They're, they're, they're not, if you will, necessarily, quote-unquote, beautiful people. Right. They're not picked right. for that reason.
2: Right. They're not okay? they're just not. They're just regular.
1: Okay. And, you know, for the justices, one of their objections to having cameras in the courtroom, particularly um, um, uh, television cameras, was they don't want the focus to be on them. They want the focus to be on the cases in the law, okay? I mean, and we all do this. I mean, think about presidential debates, Nia, right? I mean, a lot of the analysis of presidential debates by both the experts but also by the public is, did somebody look uh, vigorous? Did they, you know how did they present themselves? Okay. Um, did you then, see what they wore? Okay. And we yeah. don't focus on their words or how they responded. We went ahead and focused on how they looked.
2: Did they roll their eyes?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the, the surface stuff.
2: Did they right? over their opponent? Did they, did they shuffle too much? Did they blink too much? Right. What isn't the, isn't the big, the big proof of that the nixon kennedy debates where people who heard it on the radio thought that nixon won and yes. people who saw it on television thought that kennedy won yep and it was it was clearly a way that like physically how they nixon sweated and his makeup didn't look good he he was i mean he just looked bad he looked he physically looked bad but apparently sounded And I've never done the experiment because it's too late for me. I've only ever seen the the visual, but, um, but there's been a lot of reporting done on that. That people who listen to her like Nixon won hands down. Sure. Yes. But television matters. If I mean, like you have to have people who tell you what colors to wear and not to wear and how to stand and how to do all those things. I can imagine that the Supremes are like, yeah, I can't be bothered with that. I'm working here. I'm, I'm, this is my job. You don't walk in and film people at their jobs for the most part, at least not extensive. It would be nice though, if they could, um, I think if they could have this go on in the future, even when they do allow physical people back into the building because one, physical people back into the building is going to be for a long time socially distanced, which means your 130 seats are now 50, 60 seats, right? Because you have to leave space between people. Yeah. Maybe less than that. Maybe it'll be 30 people. So I kind of hope they keep with the idea of of doing this in some way that we can at least hear. Um, I don't know. Did, C, did C-SPAN put up a picture of each person as they were speaking
1: i don't know i don't know c-span did i just listened to it um uh listened to the audio okay Okay. while i was doing my work um of course you did as
2: pleasant background noise you listened to the oral arguments of the supreme court do you know how many things are wrong with you i mean i don't have time to make a list but i'm gonna put that up there near the top what are you doing? I'm listening to the soothing sounds of Supreme Court oral arguments. <laughs> oh well, as long as you have a hobby, dear.
1: <laughs> I, I, I uh, when the first one um, uh, occurred on on Monday this week, uh, Mackenzie, my daughter, and I had just finished up her uh, morning homeschool lesson, so she was playing in her room and. I pulled up the audio, real-time audio. I was so jazzed by it, right? She comes into the room and says, what are you listening to, right? And, uh, I, and I told her, and she, uh, she just rolled her eyes, and then she uh, heard um, Justice Ginsburg ask a question. Now, for those of you who have never heard Justice Ginsburg talk, she talks real Slow, right? Yes. Uh, of all the justices, and by the way, there are there are scholars who have who have actually measured this. Um, her words per minute, okay, um, are are some of the lowest ever recorded in the history of the Supreme Court, right? Wow. She talks slow, right? And McKenzie, my daughter said she was can't they speed that person up?
2: <laughs> Which I suppose if she was on a recording, they could do her at one and a half times rate or whatever. Um, wow. that's I, I will confess that I have not listened to one yet, although I'm taking the day off to tomorrow, tomorrow to enjoy um, sunshine and a nice walk in the park. And then I actually plan to listen to some of the um, – some of the arguments from this week. Some of the 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 because I'm curious about how they do that. Yeah, I, I do not believe that I could withstand the pressure of being an attorney before the Supreme Court. Um, I think that's a special group of people who has a special skill set that I admire very much. But I don't. I don't think I could do it. I think the pressure would kill me. Um, you know, I, nine pair of eyes staring you down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, I would, I would immediately feel like, bah! like I assume that that's what it's like to get your PhD and go before your defense, you know, at the very end, you're hoping for the best. And they're like, Oh, now's the time when we tear you apart and see how it works. You know? Uh, but anyway, I, it, it I'm glad they've done this. I hope they continue to do this. Cause I think it, it opens the opportunity for more people to, to oh, be yeah. exposed to them and be exposed to how the law is made right i mean excuse me how the law is judged not how it's made that's a different branch how it's judged um and c-span regularly shows us the how it's made branch um of people talking to empty chambers and, <laughs> and with oh, sure no and their charts and displays and and i guess from the legislature point of view they're like dude we're on camera all the time why aren't you guys on camera
1: yeah and, and you know and and. Part of the questions that Congress continue, you know, has historically posed to the court is usually in terms of this would be a great civics lesson, but you can tell that the undercurrent of many of the members of Congress's questions of the justices is, is kind of sort of like what you just mentioned. Hey, everything we do is under a microscope. Why in the hell are you guys so special? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Makes you special, yeah. No, I, I can see where that would irritate them. Of course, we also, generally speaking, don't see the president on. Well, this president we see on camera a lot, but that's unusual for presidents. Presidents.
1: Oh sure, I mean, they're, them,
2: although they record, don't they? Aren't they recording? I mean, isn't that what got Mister Nixon in trouble? Was
1: the well? I mean, they, they the
2: White House.
1: Yeah, they self record. You know, many presidents self-recorded in the Oval Office, but in terms of press conferences and the like, okay, wh- that are televised, okay, there are some presidents who would go years without holding uh, a press conference uh, with reporters, okay? You know, that's why I have a, you know, a, 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 White,
2: secretary, yeah. a
1: press secretary or White House communications office, okay, okay? they communicate to the public while well, I'm actually doing the doing the work of the office of president okay
2: do they does the president have to record his no
1: there's okay, no so there's, this yeah, there's no requirement
2: this president is probably not recording that. Okay. <laughs> but no I I mean I don't mean that ugly I just mean <laughs> This president has a different view of his privacy than other presidents.
1: Yeah, I mean, because again, you know, we've talked about this. He comes from uh, the corporate world. right?
2: You don't record anything because espionage. I mean,
1: yeah, espionage or, you know, you don't want uh, to give your competitors an unfair advantage. Um, And, you know, besides, you're the CEO. Okay. Um, You know, I decide. Okay whether or not the public knows what I decided or why I decided is wholly irrelevant. Okay. I'm I'm competing for, you know, uh, limited shares within the marketplace. Okay. The only people who have to know uh, are my shareholders and they only need to know the broad strokes.
2: Right. The day-to-day running of a company is rarely exposed at that level. No. And if it is, it's very, for very short periods of time, just to sort of say, see, we're not out here being, yes they are doing whatever
1: yeah um, so i mean
2: so it, one more question about generalized um supreme court stuff
1: okay yeah so
2: you said something about a time limit yeah um do they always have a time did they have a time limit before when they were in person
1: uh yes um uh Early on in the history of the Supreme Court, there were not time limits to oral arguments because the Supreme Court heard very few cases. So to give you an example, uh, one of the early landmark cases in the history of our country is McCulloch versus Maryland. Could Maryland tax a national bank? Oral arguments in that case lasted a couple weeks.
2: (laughs) Wow.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, I wouldn't be able to pay attention that long. Okay. I'd be like, too long, didn't read. What's the summary? (laughs) Okay. So you can see how I would not do well as a Supreme Court justice. Yeah.
1: Of all the things that you have aspired to be in this podcast, (laughs) okay?
2: I'm I'm least suited to be a Supreme Court justice. Yes. It turns out. I'm more suited to be president. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: Okay. When the court, as we moved into the 1960s and 70s, the Supreme Court um, uh, uh, was hearing more cases and uh, the justices conveyed to consecutive chief justices, chief justices Earl Warren and then Warren Burger, that if they were gonna hear more cases and decide more cases, that oral arguments needed to be shorter. Now, this also reflected the fact that increasingly, by the time we get to the 1960s and 70s, many of the justices of the Supreme Court uh, began to have, shall we say, um, uh, they, they thought oral arguments had less value. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the court restricted oral arguments to 60 minutes. So basically, each side of a case gets 30 minutes. Okay, now that was the general rule for, shall we say, our more complicated or controversial cases, um, parties litigants in a case can ask the court for more oral argument time and it's up to the court as to whether or not they grant it. So to give you an example, the first uh, Obamacare, Affordable Care Act case NFIB versus Sebelius. The oral arguments in that case lasted three days. Wow. Because there were four constitutional questions posed in the case and one statutory question. So the court decided to extend oral arguments in that case to three days.
2: Now, what does that mean by three days? How long is the block of oral arguments?
1: Well, typically, I mean, even in a situation where, um, you know, three days, it wasn't, you know, eight to five for three days. Okay, that's okay.
2: what I'm getting at. It's not like, all no. right, I hope everybody brought their lunch because we're going to be here all day.
1: No, so in uh, the Affordable Care Act case, uh, NFIB v. uh the court uh, processed the four constitutional law questions, uh, they spread it out over Monday and Tuesday. So they dealt with two on Monday, two on Tuesday, and then they dealt with the statutory question on Wednesday.
2: But so what is that like one to five or is that a.
1: Uh, they, these were two hour blocks.
2: Oh, okay. So
1: like, you know, 10 to noon and then two to four. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. The justices uh, believe in, shall we say, uh uh, a hearty lunch break, <laughs> uh, during which they all go out for a beer,
2: and then when they come back in the afternoon, they're much happier.
1: Well, they don't even have to leave the Supreme Court; they could just go to the Supreme Court cafeteria.
2: Yeah, I, who can eat in the Supreme Court cafeteria? Uh,
1: basically, it is uh, the justices, their clerks, staff, the white, or the uh, Supreme Court staff. Um, those are basically it.
2: Can the library, the Supreme Court library people eat there?
1: Sure. They're part I just of the ask staff.
2: As a, I just ask as a library person, asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. Okay. So thank you for talking to me about, um, about the sort of the generalized where we've gone with this. Yes. Uh, we're going to get together again soon, right. And talk about, some cases that they've done in, in the last little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. That would be great. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You are welcome, Nia.
0: You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.